This is In Search of the Pluriverse. We are Sophie Creer and Eric Vaughn. Join us in our search for a world in which many worlds can thrive. We were invited by Het Nieuwe Instituut to be the first curators of their traveling academy. For more context, go to pluriverse.hetnieuweinstituut.nl And follow us on Instagram at In Search of the Pluriverse. In 2010, we, Sophie Creer and I, lived and worked for three months in Casa, as locals call Casablanca. The aim was to embrace the city as a place of production and to make a portrait of its hidden qualities. We named it Easy Casa, Ville Inventive. The resulting exhibition was an optimistic tribute to the resourcefulness of a thriving city. Many questions, however, were left unanswered once the residency was over. For instance, the fragility and invisibility of the quite substantial informal economy and the large-scale gentrification of the city through capital investors. More than 10 years and a pandemic later, we returned to Casa, in search of who makes the city, who owns it, and who is granted access to it. Okay, Boudil, we're on. For our listeners, welcome back at In Search of the Pluriverse Casablanca. And Muna Belgrini just took us on a great tour <laughs> from the hotel to the fabric district in Casablanca. While coming here, she took us through a retail memory lane tour. We saw a lot of shops in decline and shopping malls that had their big days earlier in the 80s and 90s. Um, we went to a wonderful cafe. Maybe you can describe it, the antique cafe. We just had coffee there. We had coffee in a, in a bar and from the outside you couldn't really see it. You had to go upstairs. And when we came up, it was a, like a huge salon. She told us before it was a shop to a jewelry shop for, for ladies in the 50s, 60s. And on the windows, on the walls, you had all tapestries which were totally unfolded and falling apart by life. And everything was kept there. Uh, but in this space, there was a whole new culture where you, you felt it immediately. You had like some really old people. You had really young people, popular culture, young people working on their computers, young subcultures. Uh, it was really an amazing place. And also to see the connection with what was there and what was old in the 50s, 60s, extremely high-end luxury and how that develops into... Uh, actually a free space for all kind of subcultures. That was really pretty to see. We were instantly happy, weren't we, Bodil? And we were smoking our cigarettes and we were just looking around and felt at home, like instantly. It was really breezy and I always love places where you see that that the history is grounded in there and is is, uh, that there's a connection with history and modernity into the same place and how they talk with each other. Yeah, like different layers of reality blending into a new one, mm-hmm. which links a bit to your ongoing research about the act of dressing up or the yeah. art of dressing up, yes. which will we talk about a bit later, I guess. Mm-hmm. But let me first introduce you to our um, audience. Welcome, Bodil Oedraugo. You are 27. Mm-hmm. 
You graduated three years ago as a fashion designer at Gerrit Rietveld Academy in Amsterdam. You were also born and raised in Amsterdam by a Dutch mother and a Burkina Bay father. Because your father is from Burkina Faso. And as a human being and as a designer, you cherish your bicultural background. You study it and you materialize it. And yesterday you said to me, I have no choice. My identity cannot be ignored. Why do you feel that you cannot ignore your cultural background and the, and the person you are and you have to sort of work with it if you want it or not? I think also you should not and you should not want to uh, ignore it. But maybe that can be challenging when you grow up in a, a white world in the West, in West of Europe. And I can understand that some people maybe would like to ignore their background or would like to ignore that they are different than others. Um, but for me, it is also a, a research and, and an interest about how these two different backgrounds can work with each other, can live next to each other, can be layered above each other, under each other, into a see-through lens. And that's really something where I'm looking for, how how these two can be combined and make each other richer. Is that also, Bourdieu, um, something you were brought up with? Was that a message from your parents to sort of celebrate your own being and work with it? Mm, I think for my father, most definitely, or celebrate your own being, at least to be proud, always to be proud about who you are and all the different branches of, of who you are and that all these differences is what it makes rich and, and attractive. So you've arrived from uh, quite an extensive trip. You, you know, you went to Burkina Faso to see your family. Then you went to Nigeria, to Lagos to do a fashion festival. Mm -hmm. And straight from there you flew into Casablanca. So you came from, and that is for us, a relatively new term, Sub-Sahara. Mm -hmm. So you come from Sub-Sahara, Africa, mm -hmm. and you fly into the northern tip of Africa, mm -hmm. into Casablanca. And do you recognize something from Sub-Sahara here? Mm. Or is it a completely different world? It's quite different, but it's less different than, than the Netherlands, of course. Or, yeah, I think so. You do recognize a sort of pride in people, in walking, in presenting yourself uh, in the streets. And can you tell me, you were in Burkina Faso with your family foremost, mm -hmm. and it was, um, I think, in the midst of Ramadan, and then you celebrated the end of Ramadan with mm -hmm. your family. Um, was there another reason you were there? Are you working on something? Um, yes, I am, uh, or at least I'm researching now. Uh, I'm not interested now in jewelry, not only jewelry, but accessories. Um, how can we see accessories as uh, something that comes from your lineage, from your family, yeah, from, from your, your ancestors? Generation. How can you, with accessories, uh, show your branches of your identity? I think in West of Europe you have a lot of jewelry uh, what you get from your ancestors, or maybe there's even a sign of your family name into it, and you wear that with pride uh, generation after generation and I was thinking like what do we have in Burkina Faso um, from our ancestors which goes that far I think a lot of 
things than is uh, wooden wooden sculptures, wooden masks or uh, statues. All these things, all these African old arts are mostly now in, in Europe. So it's sort of a disconnection with that. I was thinking like, how can we use those pieces of our ancestors again? How can we sort of wear that again? Can we wear that again? How do we uh, touch these pieces of art? It's not on a pedestal so as, it, as in an uh, ethnographic museum. That was things I was thinking about. And in Burkina Faso, I, I visited a lot of women uh, in their houses to see what kind of jewelry they have, what kind of accessories they have, how they present it to me, made out of pictures. Can you describe some of them? What, what, what should I think about? Is it like gold? Is it earrings? Is it hand jewelry? Is it necklaces? Is it? It was actually all, all of that. I did not have a specific jewelry that I was interested in. But I'm mainly also interested in how are the jewels layered? Do you choose one or the other, or can, uh, or do people wear it all together, like um, uh, not jewelry then, but accessories with the uh, glasses from Hermes or whatever? And that's something I see a lot in Burkina Faso: how traditional styles are combined with new accessories, which show uh, money or status. How are they combined? And I think that's something which attracts me a lot, is that you can choose for, for showing something new, something modern, but also still combining with uh, something from your heritage. Yeah. So your research and also your past research is all about that layering up of identities and together they become something new. So it's mm -hmm. not only the Chanel or the fake Chanel bag mm -hmm. or the... Uh, but it is combined with the with the Grand Boubou, for instance? Yes, exactly. And how can these two total different uh, textiles or accessories create together uh, a new textile, a new print? And how can that develop in an actual design? So I mentioned the, the, the Grand Boubou as a, as a mm -hmm. traditional garment. Mm -hmm. And you worked with that mm -hmm. in your previous project. Can you mm -hmm. say something about that piece of garment? Uh, yeah, most definitely. It's a three-piece garment, actually. It's really a luxury garment. It's trousers, uh, jaleba, so that's sort of a slim, long t-shirt dress, covered with almost two by two meter of fabric, which is just a square. And often the gambobu is made from a textile, which is called the basenrich, which is a woven textile, but then waxed so it's it has really pretty wrinkles it almost looks like plastic sometimes but also looks for me really modern and while wearing that you have to moulage it all the time so you see all all different shapes in it you see all different wrinkles in it um, and you're literally carrying with the amount of fabric and by carrying with the amount of fabric you're carrying with you the amount of luxury it's almost like the the garment is carrying your body because yeah. it, it's really stiff. Huh? It's I saw really a movie stiff. that people that women were beating on the fabric mm -hmm. to make it shine. Mm -hmm. Is that true? Yeah. Because it's very saturated. It's, is, is, is it a cotton? Is it a, is it a woven it is cotton? An, it's a, it, is, it is woven cotton, and traditionally it was made stiff with glue from trees. I don't know the word mm -hmm. for it. Uh, but now you have also all kind of synthetics uh, where you can do it with. Um, 
yeah, and because of that, also the volume is is totally different because it becomes, yeah, extremely harsh, and you become way bigger. And I, but I also find so admiring about the garment that it, by wearing it, uh, you have to keep presenting yourself. This is also something I find very interesting that there are certain garments worn in a certain way which um, pushes you to be present and to take up space uh, yeah, in the world where you are. Yeah, because you are also uh, present in uh, the exhibition that we just finished mm -hmm. in search of the Pluriverse in Het Nieuwe Institute. Mm -hmm. And um, you are present with a movie you shot in Burkina Faso. Mm -hmm. And there you see it's it's also like uh, a unisex garment. Eh? It's b both be worn by men and women. Yeah, the one for, for women is, is slightly different, but so it's not totally unisex. Uh, but it's almost the same, yeah. The one for women is uh, stitched on the side way higher. But you see in the movie... Uh, well, the, the, the men stand more out because they, they, they wear it differently and they wear it in lighter sort of unicolors, so mm -hmm. they really shine in it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was curious what you asked them to do. What, what, what were your instructions? Because they move it, they yeah. sort of almost dance they, they, with their they own garments. Um, how did that well, happen? Well, they are also performers themselves, so they know how to work with it on stage. But what I actually just asked them is, can you show me all the etiquettes about how to wear it. I just want to have a tutorial, I just want to see uh, everything the garment can do. Uh, show me how you greet each other in the garment, show me how you sit in the garment, uh, show me how you would enter a room, so, yeah, show me how you greet someone. Uh, and by that everything happened and I actually had to, that was actually all I had to do, I, had, I didn't have to curate much more uh, because they knew all the etiquette so well that they could just uh, go and uh, what also stands out in the movie is the music it's very uh, present and mm -hmm. it's very mesmerizing mm -hmm. to me and for you I think fashion is also about bringing everything together in a moment or a performance or um, with music with fashion, with bodies, with movements. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and the music in this case is pretty important. In this case it was really important. It was made by uh, a good friend of mine also, uh, Bram Ogusu. His performance name is BK Ogusu. Um, yeah, so the question was how I, how I look at fashion actually, or how I... Yeah, maybe that's that's a, that's a good question. Yeah, because you studied fashion, mm -hmm. uh, but fashion is is stretching out into different areas, and sometimes fashion is art, sometimes fashion is performance, mm -hmm. sometimes fashion is not about making collections or selling collections or presenting collections in a commercial way. So I think it's interesting for our listeners to hear how you find your own path in that sort of. Yeah, yeah, that new, me, new space. For me, fashion is just, uh, what can fashion do? You can present yourself, you can present your history, you can present your, your, your present. Um, I, I, and I think also I see that in a broader sense, like it's, it's fashion, but it's also uh, a flag, uh, including, excluding people. Um, 
Is it for you? Is fashion for you a place of joy and celebration? I mean, are you focusing more on the inclusion and the celebration of identity? Because it also has the other side. It excludes. Most definitely. If you don't know the codes and if you Most don't know. Most definitely, yeah. Well, I think if, if I focus on the joy, I focus on. I focus on the art of dressing up. I focus on the designs I see that people make by combining and collecting fabrics and, and accessories about what a garment itself can do. That was, for example, what I said about the Grand Babu, that a garment itself can push you to be present. Uh, if you... And to even uh, uh, move differently. Yeah, most definitely. And also, that's not only with the Grand Babu. If you look like um, at in hip-hop culture, where you have like super oversized uh, garments, um, you had the time where you had super oversized pants. While wearing these pants, you had to move them all the time because if you did not, they would fall off, you know? <laughs> so also this... It came with a specific walk. Exactly, yeah. it came with a specific walk. And you cannot run with this walk. So in with this pen, so no, not run within this pen, so it pushes you to take time, to be present, it has a, it has a certain attitude around it, um, and that a garment itself can do that is for me really inspiring, and that's for me all part of the art of dressing up, and also with accessories, when do we find it luxury, when don't we find it luxury, when is it too much, uh, when do you, do, do you just pick one, or do you put all your gold uh, on when there's a specific event? And also for me, these etiquettes about garments or, or, or connections that I find in garments or in the art of dressing up, how are they connected to black culture? Sometimes I, if I find something attractive, for example, as the Grambobu, and what I just said about these really oversized hip-hop pants, which you saw a lot in black culture in uh, North America, is there a connection in these garments, in black culture? How, do they, do, how does that travel? Uh, and how does, right now where I'm looking at is, how do these accessories travel and uh, this combination of modern and, uh, and traditional? How can we layer gold and how can we layer the backgrounds of our ancestors also in that? Yeah, what I like about your way of working is that you seem to um, collect all these different images and items or details. Mm -hmm. You photograph them and you scan them as a sort of an archive. Mm -hmm. And then you decide to print them back onto fabric. And mm -hmm. then maybe, I don't know if that's going to happen now, that you turn these fabrics into clothing again. Mm -hmm. Also, don't know if that's gonna happen now. I'm really in the, <laughs> in, the, in, the in the start of it. Um, but yeah, I'm always like I find these things, and I find in in the art of dressing up, I find how how people work with it, and I try to to make it into a new work, and I try to see like how would this combination work. But will I photograph it? Will I print it again again on on another fabric? Um, uh, yeah, and create it into a new piece, a new artwork, because that's also what my eye does as an artist, is finding these things, finding a way to combine them, find a way to, to layer them and make that visual for a new work and for, for people. To tell a story yeah. with it. Yeah. 
and you're not a fashion designer for nothing. So the material and the the, the, the fluidness and the flexibility of fabric, for instance, or the way it is stiffened by the wax, or the way it's it's made shiny by the wax, or the way uh, you used latex in the past also mm -hmm. in your collections. So the quality of the surface and the way it behaves, also when a body is in it and moves in it, mm -hmm. um, fascinates you. So can you say something about, because I saw in previous collections, I saw a lot of latex and, and sort of semi-transparent plastic. Mm -hmm. Why did you choose for those materials? Um, I think they are not, uh, they're not woven yet. They are not dyed yet uh, with color. Uh, so I think I can present my vision, a new world on them. Uh, well, if I find these connections and I try to find a way to put them together, uh, yeah, I think it works for me to to have these plastic without any human touch yet and present uh, my vision, my world on on those materials again. So it's almost like a blank canvas yeah. that you can project anything on that you would like to project on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because it's not it's not touched by hands yet. It's not, or it is touched by hands, but it's so. So it's just so so plastic. So it, it's uh, I and it has no structure. Right? It has There's no, no structure. textile yeah. system in it. It's it's like it's almost like anonymous. Mm -hmm. in, 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 is that a good way to say? Yeah, it? I like think so. Yeah, most definitely it's anonymous. And 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 the, the the material research that I do before has nothing to do with anything anonymous. But if you pick and collect and, and make new work out of it, it, it often worked for me to have it on. On something anonymous and present this new world, project this new world on these big, big blankets of latex or, or uh, plastic. Yeah. So, Budil, I know it's super difficult also for me um, because we we are just here for a couple of days and it's it's a very overwhelming world that we mm -hmm. jumped into. Also, thanks to uh, Samba Sumbunu and uh, uh, Muna Belgrini who took us. Um, in a very special way through the city. Um, but with your specific eye for body, stature, materials, choreography, um, and you think about yesterday, how we moved uh, from the neighborhood with the lake also to the other neighborhoods with the tram, uh, the mm -hmm. end point of the tram, and then we, we went to, to look at the architecture that was changed by the people over the years. Mm -hmm. What stood out for you? Um, what stood out for me? What I really liked in um, one of the neighborhoods where we were, the, all the, the, the sites, everything was just the, the same grayish building. And then you had this, all these really small balconies, which were all closed off. And in these balconies, you had this sort of explosion of identity markers and of people trying to make an, an extra room or space in there and uh, a whole collection of fabrics. I think seeing those things next to each other, I really like that. Um, the idea of something and how it's lived and how that becomes a new visual. So again, the layeredness of, of the mm -hmm. architecture with that extra layer of, I like that you say identity markers, so the, mm -hmm. the sort of the fabric layers, uh, wash drying, mm -hmm. uh, curtains. Yeah, they were all like sort of different and it was, 
de, die uh, balconies were sort of, yeah, you say it's sort of a yeah, little explosion, little bulb of, of uh, outburst outburst of, of, of colors and, and yeah, really outbursts of colors and fabrics and, and, and stuff. Um, and there you can see these both together because th- th- you see the ar- architecture, you see uh, how it's planned, uh, you see sort of in some of them you saw how it was a good design, how it was uh, uh, modern at a, at, a, at a time. Um, and then these these personal identities in in there. Also, what I found another thing just hits me. What I found always find very nice to see and especially see so many name tags into these neighborhoods. So many name tags. So many written names of people all next to walls, each other on mean. the walls. Yeah. Um, this is sort of also an affirmation, I think, what people do for themselves. It's the same thing as, as, as making accessory or having a jewelry with your with your family name on it uh, and how you see that people constantly do that and want to... Uh, Express who they are. Yeah. And, and also with pride. Huh? Yeah, and be present in their... Uh, how, they, how people have this urge to be present and visual in their spaces. So yeah, these name tags I really liked it, and also see it as a form of a small accessory, small touch on on a bigger image. It's also part of maybe a, in the art of dressing up. I like think so. Most leaving definitely. Leaving your tag yeah. in public space. Most definitely, yes. And do you, uh, Bodil, because you live in Amsterdam and you are very much part of an Amsterdam generation because you grew up there, you went to to. Yeah, to elementary school and high school which and you still are friends with the people you grew up with because mm-hmm. you never left town mm-hmm. <laughs> but for you Burkina Faso is also a home mm-hmm. um, and work-wise you visited Lagos Nigeria to present your work mm-hmm. um, do you see your a future for yourself on the African continent uh, like maybe in Burkina Faso but maybe even here in in the northern part of well, then I would, would be most definitely Burkina Faso. Yeah, but that's the <laughs> yeah. place for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, that's the place for me, yeah. Uh, but a future... A lot of thinking of me happens there. So I think for work I would always go there or to Yeah, is your research. mind space different there? Yeah, totally different. Totally different. That's also when I miss it there, it's also because of how I think there. Can you explain that? That's interesting. Is there more room to think? Or do you think different thoughts? Or is it the different lines of thinking you follow? Mm, I think when I'm there, um, I'm way less individual. Um, I cannot make all choices for myself. Uh, Most of the time I sleep with my family or with my sister. She lives there. Um, people are way more protected of you. You cannot in Amsterdam. I can and can fill up my whole day just exactly how I want it and and structure it exactly how I want it. And there, that's totally not possible. So a lot of times, I'm really frustrated that something is not happening how I want it. But then, there's no pl- no room to escape that uh, frustration. And in Amsterdam, there's all the time room for 
to escape that frustration. Um, and then you go to a cafe, you go there, you go with your friends and blah, blah. And then, you, and then Burkina Faso, I just can't really. And because of that, there's a lot of, yeah, there's no really escaping. There's no really uh, hiding. It's just, yeah, it's with way less individual. And that makes just makes you think way different. Yeah, if, if if I had a busy day and I think, okay, now I want to do this and this and I want to visit there and there, and then my sister says, no, nah, but you're tired. I said, no, I'm not tired. And by then, it's just not going to happen. I will just sit there and have to be there with, with, with my thoughts. And yeah, just the thinking just feels different. And it feels more, sometimes when I'm there, it feels more uh, how I felt sometimes or right, sometimes I get these feelings from when I was a child that you just have to you have to to give over a little bit and just let it go a little bit and that's a really different perspective of thinking and so in your process that's really different for me so yeah I need to go with the collective flow to yeah. go with the family flow yeah. also yeah. but that's a big contrast with your Amsterdam artistic life because you have a studio of 90 square meters all by yourself in yes. Amsterdam. So maybe the combination of those two work for you? Yeah, I think so. And also in Amsterdam, I'm really, I really need it. I'm, 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 I am, uh, I need my own space. And then, uh, yeah, yeah, I am really someone who, who really likes to have that. Uh, so it's really two different worlds. It's, Birkenau also always feels like just a detox. How did it feel? Because you went to Nigeria, Lagos, for this festival. Mm -hmm. um, Burkina Faso is one of the poorest countries in Africa. In Lagos, Nigeria, there's a lot of excessive wealth also. There's a lot of poor people, but also a lot of rich people. How did you experience that? Because it's way different than in the Netherlands. How did, how did Lagos feel for me? Yeah, but also Burkina Faso, with, it's completely different in general. Like, Different in which way? Well, the Netherlands are saturated almost like your wax cotton mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. with wealth and, and everything is well organized, everything mm -hmm. is well made, everything is renewed. Hey, we just visited this cafe and we were so thrilled by the fact that it showed these old marks and it yeah. showed a life that was there before. In yeah. the Netherlands, everything is redone yeah. Yeah. and washed out and, yeah. and, and renovated before mm -hmm. it has the chance to show signs of decay. Yes. Um, that must be like super different in Burkina Faso. Yeah, in Burkina Faso, you're, I'm constantly reminded about uh, who you are and where and how you're connected to who you are and who people make you aware constantly about, about your history and about your identity branches. Also class-wise or not? Or is it more like a family identity? Or? Mm, I think also class-wise, yes. Uh, but also if you visit some place, if you visit someone new, uh, you tell the whole line of uh, who you are, who they are. You, when you greet someone, you greet all of their family members. When my sister introduces me to someone new, she's like, she's Bodil, but not just Bodil. Often they don't say my name, but they say that I'm the daughter uh -huh. of and with that you constantly make this connection this is constantly you're connected and you're presenting always part of that collective yeah and you're always also presenting this collective uh, and not one or the other and also 
by adding something new or something modern, the old is still visible. And, and also it, in an oral way, because every time mm -hmm. you are reminded, mm -hmm. you are not just Bodil, you are mm -hmm. also the daughter and the granddaughter and the sister or the mm -hmm. aunt or mm -hmm. the... Is yeah, that what most, you mean? Yeah, that's exactly yeah. what I mean, yeah. yeah. And you feel just by doing that, the affirmation of your being is just so much more... Yeah, you're so much more grounded by that. And, and I'm interested in those visual parts of that, the physical parts of that in, 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 in fashion and in art and in presenting and dressing up. The richness, the richness of showing who you are and where you're from and how you are linked to the people around you. Yeah. 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 And how was that in Lagos? Well, Lagos was really, really great. I was there only for maybe five days for the festival. It was really hectic, um, but I've uh, really fun, but I found for myself really nice to see uh, is that you ha just have the really big uh, group of people there, young people there uh, who studied art uh, or who did not study art, uh, but work in art, um, both uh, yeah, present their work as art. Like I see also a lot of art in Burkina Faso, but not a lot of young people would call themselves artists. Uh, and it was really nice to see that in Lagos there's a really big group of people who work in art, who work in fashion, who work in, work in music uh, and support each other. Yeah, that was something that really um, got me. Um, you felt part of it because they invited you and you were part of this festival? Yeah, most definitely. It was really, uh, it's, it's really an open community and I was there with... Um, people from Pata, which I, I, I did a collaboration with them, and we were showing together that the, the, the collab that we um, made together. Which is a suit, right? Which which, which is a, yeah. a printed track fabric. Suit. Printed fabric tracksuit, t-shirt and cap. Yeah, it was really nice how how new luxury brands, how new luxury, not yeah, luxury brands was was one was one flagship store called Alara, um, with all. African and people from African diaspora uh, brands and fashion. Really nice place, yeah. And there's a really interesting scene there. Um, Any leads of follow-ups or going back or collaborations? Not yet. Follow yeah, well, I would, I'm, I'm going back there uh, most definitely with um, the people of Panta met there the people of Waffles and Cream, which uh, is a um, streetwear brand uh, started out of skate culture. Really nice people. Um, Nigerian brand. Nigerian brand, yes. So most definitely keep contact with these people and try to uh, lift each other up. Nice. And Bodil, it's funny, but we are leaving Friday, <laughs> Casablanca, going back home, but you are staying for a couple yeah. of days, which is of course fantastic. So you can do all the things that we don't have the time for right now. So what are you going to do? Mm, well, my sister's also coming. Um, and um, I, yeah, I thought also because I already had this big trip beforehand and a lot of happening first at Lagos uh, 
for work and, and, and the festival than Burkina Faso, which where I don't totally freak into my own research, um, which is a lot of material right now, but also a lot still in my head. And then this whole Casablanca trip. So I thought three more extra days are, are very useful. Um, so what will I do? I've, um, I, would, I would love to see more stores of how clothes are presented in stores, how fabrics are presented, what do I see in fabric stores here different than others. Um, yeah, I would research that and also relax a little bit before coming home and have everything in mind. Um, always have to, to to put it a little bit together and for me it's always important in my process that I uh, that I keep it a bit for myself so that it can uh, still move in my head instead of that it gets too fixed um, so maybe I will write some ideas up and, and, and leave them for me <laughs> um, and beside that everything here is going super fast and uh, Muna and Samba they show us a lot and we are actually almost running through the streets and uh, we just uh, passed this um, furniture few streets full of furniture and which is really nice really nice presented as well so I will be back there as well well I'm jealous yeah. I would like to have three extra days too <laughs> so I wish you a lot of fun with that but before that, we will still have a group talk tomorrow and um, we will still be busy. And um, keep us posted about yes. the things you do. And get that tan, because you want to get your tan yeah, in order, right? get my tan, yeah, because Burkina is 38 degrees and you cannot sit in the sun, but I cannot be away in West Africa for more than a month and be uh, totally not tanned. So this is, uh, this is good for Casablanca. That's also why I'm here for three more days. <laughs> to get your tan in order. <laughs> Thank you very much, Bodil, Thank for this so bit noisy talk, maybe, but uh, very interesting. Thank you very much. Bye. In Search of the Pluriverse is part of the Travelling Academy, an initiative of Het Nieuwe Instituut in close partnership with the Consulate General in Istanbul and embassies in Germany, Morocco, Spain and the UK. The Travelling Academy brings together makers from these regions and the Netherlands to learn how formal and informal ways of knowing can support each other in tackling ecological, socio-political and spatial issues. So I'm walking here with Muna and with Bodil and we're taking a sort of a fashion route towards a street or a place where lots of fabrics are being sold. So we're going to feel the textiles of the city and look at it as a base or see that as a base of our conversation. So Muna, what's the plan the of this plan trip? The plan is to try to uh, walk through different kind of fashion districts, but that's not the right word, but like what used to be and what was and what will be um, fashion concentrated areas. This is called Marif. We're headed to Marif, and Marif at uh, let's say 90s, first 10 years of 2000 
this was the most fashionable spot where you would see the most stylish people, the etc. etc. And you could also shop, but it kind of changed because now we have the malls uh, policy. Let's not get hit by a, a bike. <laughs> and uh, the malls kind of changed um, the, the perception and the, um, and the dispatch. So the younger ones now, they go a lot to malls because their parents can drop them there and they can spend the whole day. They have coffees, blah, 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 blah. But it's still very important in the, in the scope. You have a few flagships like um, European trademarks like you would find in every city center. Uh, let's not name them, but you know, the big brands. Not luxury brands. Luxury brands, you find them in, um, in the malls. But big brands, uh, you know, the Spanish ones and etc. The all these things, yes. And then in the back, what used to be, okay, it's it's kind of um, there's always a story to everything. Back before 2005, finding brands in Morocco was almost impossible because of the um, the rate of taxes. So when to get brands, you would either have family who would bring it uh, on vacation, or you wealthy enough to travel and to buy brands, or that was it. Or We had a lot of um, couturiers. We had a lot of uh, tailors, uh, and you would uh, like buy magazines and show them the things you want, and they would make it, etc., etc. You had a few brands. Let's not say there was nothing, but it was not as much as uh, now. And in 2005, it was the um, I don't uh, I don't really know the names, but there was like some kind of economical policy that lessened the, the taxes and that wanted to attract uh, investors. And that's when all the, the brands kind of came to Morocco. All, they Aha. almost all opened in 2005. And it's funny because... The brands from abroad. From abroad. But the funny part is uh, usually when you see, when you look at the, the, um, the tags, most of it was made in Morocco. But it was made in Morocco, sent and re-imported with the taxes, meaning that it, it's kind of a stupid crazy. thing. But the craziest thing is you could find it with the regular price here, but also the leftovers or the stolen gifts from the factories. You could find it in other shops a few miles away, half price or um, what, what, less than half price. <laughs> it's funny, it's different yeah. distribution systems. So many. <laughs>